Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis chapter 22 begins verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. He said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of mountains I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early of the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. They came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now, in our study of Genesis 22 so far, we've been with Abraham. We've seen as he's heard that momentous call that we just read about in verse 2. He hears this call. We've watched Abraham as he slept on it. He slept on what God had told him to do. It was really too much. You can imagine for for anything more for the day that God had called him to sacrifice his son, so he just needed to sleep. And whatever conflicts Abraham had, we're not told about them. And we watched Abraham very carefully as, as early in the morning, Abraham had resolved to obey God. We saw him in that morning of God's call. We saw all the details that he went through in verse 3. We watched him as he moved through the details of that morning. And it was interesting for us as God's camera uses his zoom lens And he goes right into all those details of Abraham saddling the ass and so forth. And we see up close a man with under tremendous stress. And he's what he's doing here in order to do the will of God. It wasn't for easy for Abraham. It wasn't easy for Abraham to do the will of God. It's like that song. He never promised. Now you know that song, right? He never said there'd be sunshine. I'm sure it's done sung better than me. He never said there'd be no rain. He only promised a heart full of singing. 
and about the very thing that once brought pain. You remember it? Do you remember it? How many remember that? Give them all, sing it with me. Give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. And he will turn your sorrows into joys. Isn't that a wonderful song? song came to mean a lot to us last uh, Friday night. Mike Johnson called from his Bible study group up in San Mateo, and all they wanted to do was sing that song to us over the phone. Then Mike prayed for us. Well, God never said to Abraham that there'd only be sunshine, and he never promised Abraham that there'd be no rain. And after Abraham came down off that mountain, God did make Abraham a singing Abraham, because the very thing that caused him pain, he turned his sorrows into joy. And so we walked with Abraham in verse 4 with his head down until he got to the place in verse 4 where it says, and on the third day he lifted up his eyes and he saw the place far off. We watched Abraham as he turned to the young men who were with him and told him, you stay behind here in verse 5. And then we focused and listened very carefully at what Abraham told the young man was going to happen to him next in verse 5 when he said, I am the lad. I and the lad will go yonder, will worship, will come again. He said, I and the lad will go yonder. I and the lad will will worship. I and the lad will come again to you. From those words, we, uh, we, we came to realize that Abraham was so relying on God's promise that Isaac was going to have children, that Abraham was expecting that Isaac was going to be raised from the dead. And that was from Abraham's perspective. But we don't know what Isaac's perspective was. (laughs) We don't know if he had the same expectation as Abraham. I mean, Abraham was trusting in God, and Isaac was trusting in Abraham. And so this understanding that Isaac was going to be raised from the dead, that was Abraham's understanding. But we're not told in Scripture if Isaac had that same understanding also. As a matter of fact, we're told in verse 7 is that it appears that Isaac thought it, it, it was thinking at first that, that there should be a lamb. <laughs> He's thinking, you know. <laughs> and his question in verse 7 and the answer of Abraham in verse 8 is, is Isaac's begin to wonder, you know, if he might be the lamb. <laughs> you know? so, there, so if there was any doubt in Isaac's mind, if he was the lamb, Isaac came to the full understanding that he was the lamb by the time it says in verse 9 that Abraham had turned and tied his hands up and laid him on the altar. So when Abraham asked, you know, when Abraham asked for Isaac, put your hands together so I can tie them now together, that was something. I mean, if Isaac was suspicious, you know, at all, if Isaac had suspicions, they were confirmed at that point. He was 100% sure that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. At that point, Isaac knew he was going to die as a sacrifice. And at that point, Isaac understood that the lamb that Abraham said was God was going to provide, it was him. He was the lamb provided by God. And we try to imagine what was in Isaac's mind with all this. What's he thinking? I mean, it was a very, at this point, he's thinking, I'm going to die. And, and, you know, we know something about the personality of Isaac. He's not a totally unknown person to us because it says in Genesis 24, 63, it talks about Isaac. It says, Isaac went out to meditate 
in the field at the eventide. That was a practice of Isaac. He was that type of person. From that verse, we know that Isaac was a thinking type of person. He was not an impulsive, let's do it, let's get it done, Jacob type. We'll never read that about Jacob, that he went out to meditate. But this was Isaac. It was a part of his personality. He was the type of person who just deeply considered issues, and he meditated on it. Well, this was an issue for him to deeply consider <laughs> and meditate on. So on that, on that mountain, Isaac, we want to look at this now from the eyes of Isaac, he's seeing his death approaching. And what does this meditative type person consider? What is he thinking? Well, we're thinking now about what Isaac was thinking on Mount Moriah as he saw his own death approaching. And the Lord Jesus Christ was also this type of person. He was a type of person who deeply considered issues. And we can ask the same question about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on the cross because Isaac's on Mount Moriah. He sees his death approaching. The Lord Jesus is on the cross, and he sees his death approaching. His death is imminent, and so he's on the cross, and he knew there was only one state that anybody was ever taken down from the cross. They were dead. When they were on the cross, he knew that no one survived the cross. No one was ever taken down alive from the cross. So the question is, like we're asking for Isaac, what was he thinking when he was on the cross and he knew he was going to die? What was the Lord Jesus Christ thinking as he saw his own death approaching? Well, you know, fortunately, there's one passage that we have in Scripture that really goes into the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ when he's on the cross and he sees his death approaching, and that passage is Psalm 22. So in Psalm 22, he starts to think about something that you and I never would have thought about. He starts to think about something that we didn't expect him to be thinking about, and he uses two sequential, and there's two sequential verses that reveal to us what he's thinking about. And that's Psalm 22, verses 9 and 10, where he says, he's thinking about this, he's praying this, he's saying this to God, he says to God, but thou art he, and then he says this, that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. You always wonder what a baby's thinking about on his mother's breast. <laughs> he says, you made me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Then the next verse says, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Now, if you and I were on the cross and we could see our death approaching, we would not be thinking about being taken out of the womb or being cast from the womb. But those two statements show that he was thinking about that. See, verse 9 of Psalm 22, it shows that he's thinking about being taken out of the womb. Verse 10 shows that on the cross, he's thinking about being cast out from the womb. And he's praising God during this time. Verse 3 of Psalm 22, it says, he prays, thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So he's in this dying process. He's praising God. He's finding hope in God. And in this state of finding hope in God, while he's dying, he speaks about being taken out of the womb and about being cast out of the womb. That's strange to us. Why? I mean, don't you find that remarkable? That while seeing his own death approaching, he's thinking about being cast out of the womb. Why? Why with his own death approaching is he thinking of when God took him out of the womb? Why with his own death approaching is he thinking about when God, when, about God casting him out of the womb? You know, I remember when all three of our sons were born, it was very momentous. And as soon as they came out of the womb, 
you know, we smiled, we held them up, we laughed, we said welcome to them. And I remembered how as we smiled at them and laughed at them, none of them smiled back. None of them laughed back. As a matter of fact, all of our boys, as soon as they were born, they looked terrified and mad. They were angry, especially Joseph. He really was angry. As a matter of fact, all newborns look mad and terrified when they're born. They all look that way. The all newborns look like the Lord said. They look mad to have been taken out of the womb. They look terrified to have been cast out of the womb. As there they were in the womb. It was all warm in there. It was with a constant supply of everything they needed. They had the oxygen, the nutrients that comes from the umbilical cord. Life's good in the womb, they would have said. You know, everything is provided for me in the womb. It's all, their whole life is in the womb. You know, everything is comfortable in the womb. What's not to like in the womb? You know, and then all of a sudden, a little earthquake starts called contractions. <laughs> Very disturbing. Yeah. And, and, and at first small, not too, free, not too frequent, then stronger and more frequent, it becomes intolerable for them. And those contractions are the process of being taken out of the womb. Those contractions are the process of being cast out of the womb. It's a very disturbing time for a baby. I, anyway, I don't remember it, but, <laughs> so, but in life, we're like the babies in the womb. And our lives have become like a womb. And it's very comfortable in our, in our womb-like lives. And everything is provided for in our womb-like lives. And our lives are warm and they're cozy and we feel like a baby in the womb. And then comes the death process. And the death process is like the contractions. And they start out slight and then they get stronger and stronger and they eventually cause us to leave our womb-like life. And death is being cast out from this life into the next. And if you were to speak to a baby in the womb, and you say, so the baby's in the womb, and you're talking to the baby, and you said, you know, you're going to leave this womb. And it's natural for the baby says, I don't want to leave this womb. <laughs> and so and that's like God saying to us, as we come to death, you're going to have to leave this womb-like life. And like the baby, we, 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 it's natural for us to say, I don't want to leave this womb-like life. Thank you very much. I'm quite comfortable here. <laughs> I'll just stay here. But if, you, if we said to the baby, that, look, the umbilical tube with all the source of oxygen and nourishment and so forth, it's going to be destroyed. <laughs> and you're going to take your first breath. You've never done that before. You have lungs that you've never used before, but you're going to use them, and you're going to eat before. It's natural for the baby to be terrified and says, I don't want to do that. Uh, I think I'll just stay right here. Thank you very much. You know? <laughs> and we're told that we're not going to breathe anymore through our lungs. And like the baby, we would want to say, you know, can we discuss this after lunch? You know, <laughs> I'm very happy here. Thank you very much. But in trying to convince the baby that he should make this plunge, we would say, look, life outside the womb is so much better. You know, in the womb, you've seen light through the womb and, and maybe some shadows you've seen. And we can even take the Bible and we could say to the baby in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 12, now... Now we see through a glass darkly. You say to the baby, now you see through a womb darkly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as of I've known. And we could say to the baby, look, you don't know it, but you really are seeing things darkly. And we could say to the baby, we could use another Bible verse. We could say to the baby, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, we could say, you know what? I has not seen 
and ear is not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, neither has entered into your little heart, little baby in the womb, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You never seen this. You never heard this. It's never entered into your heart before. But God has provided some great things on the other side of this womb. You're going to see colors. You're going to see clearly. You're going to see skies and birds and streams and oceans and mountains. But you got to go through this very disturbing, traumatic dying process. Well, in, in the case of a baby, being birthed. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he's thinking about how hard the transition was to be born and how it was all worth it when he got to the beauty of entering into this world. And now from the cross, he's thinking that he's going to do it all over again. It's just going to repeat. It's going to be a hard transition for him to have all of his bones out of joint, as it says in Psalm 22, to feel like he's poured out like water, to feel his heart melted in the middle of his body. All that is described for us in Psalm 22, verse 14. Feel like he's being brought to the dust of death. But as the baby in the womb, it's just a great transition. It's a great transition, and when he comes out on the other side, he'll live again, as it says in Psalm 22, verse 26, your heart shall live forever. So we can imagine how Isaac knew that as a believer in Jehovah Jesus, that death was not his end, and death is not the end for believers in Jehovah Jesus. And just as we would say to the baby, let me take you out of this womb. You'll be cast out from the womb. So God says to us in death, God says to Isaac in death, let me take you out of the womb of this life of yours. Let, through death, you'll be cast out of the womb like, and, and you'll, have, you'll be cast on me. And so that's why the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing his death approaching, was saying in Psalm 22, dying for me is like when I was transitioned from the womb to earth. And now I'm gonna be transitioned from earth to heaven. That's why he brought it up. Now, as we come to verse 7, we come to one of the most tender conversations in all the Bible where we read these words, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for burnt offering? So here we say, we see that what happens here is that Isaac doesn't address his, uh, Abraham and say, you know, he doesn't ask the question, but when he speaks to him, it says he's speaking to Abraham, his father. And Isaac calls him by that title. Isaac loves to call Abraham, my father. And he calls him my father. And we can feel how Isaac loved his father and his father loved him. And, he, and Isaac responds back. He doesn't say yes. He, he, said, he says, my father. He's going to call Isaac. He said, my father. And Isaac says to Abraham, my father. We can imagine how those words, when, 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 when Abraham hears these words, my father, we can just imagine how that just melted Abraham. You know, that struck deeper into the heart of Abraham than the knife that he was going to plunge into Isaac. It really was something. And then we can see the reciprocal love of Abraham for Isaac as Abraham didn't say, well, here I am, Isaac. He didn't say, well, here I am, son. But he says, here I am, my son, my son. Because he loved to call Isaac my son. Isaac loved to call Abraham my father. And Isaac loved to call Abraham my father. Abraham loved to call Isaac my son. He says that. And Isaac looks at the fire, and he looks at the wood, and he asks the question, where's the lamb? This is a very searching question. Where's the lamb? When I became a believer and 
went back to Seder again, Passover. I look at the table. Everything is on the Passover table there. And I ask the same question that Isaac did. You know, here, here's the matzah, and here's all the parts of the Passover remembrance, and here's the book that tells us what we're supposed to say and do and eat and so forth. But where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? It's a dried-up shank bone. Then you still say, where's the lamb? Where's the most important part of the Passover? Where's the lamb? Leviticus 17.11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. God said, I gave it to you upon the altar for the purpose of making an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no taking away sins. Where's the blood? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb that makes an atonement for the soul? Behold, here's religion, but where's the lamb? Now, Abraham answers Isaac's question in verse 8. Abraham says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. That means that Isaac was happy with the answer. I, and Abraham, so, so this is a very hard question. Abraham, put yourself in Abraham's place. Where's the lamb? What are you going to say? Abraham, at that moment, thinks back on his life. And he thinks, uh, he, you know, really Abraham is in a very, very tough situation. He's really in a situation of, he's in the place of what we would call the I don't know place. I mean, really, you know, it's like, I don't know. And then he thinks back on his life of all the times that he has been in the I don't know place. And he thinks that where he didn't know where his wealth was going to come from. But he, he was in the I don't know place there. And then God provided the wealth for him out of Egypt, as it says in, in Genesis 13 too. Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And how did Abraham got, get all that riches, get all that wealth? God provided it for him. Before Egypt, he, he needed, and he didn't know. He was in the I don't know place. And then God provided for him. And then Abraham thought of how he was again in the I don't know place, of how he did not know how he was going to recover his nephew Lot, as we've studied, from the armies of those kings who had already taken him back and were entering into Syria. And he only had 400 armed men, and, and he didn't know. He, was, he said, I don't know. I'm going after him. I don't know how I'm going to get Lot. But God provided a victory over them, and he was able to recover all. And then Abraham thought of how he was at another time in the I don't know place when he didn't know how Sarah would ever be reunited to him again after twice, after Pharaoh took her and Abimelech took her to be their wife. And he was in the, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get her back. But God provided reunion with Sarah. And then Abraham thought how he was in the I don't know place when he didn't know how he would ever have peace in his home and his marriage preserved after Hagar and Ishmael. But then God provided peace in the preservation of his marriage. So as Abraham thinks back over all those times when he was in the I don't know place, and in that place he saw the same pattern. Abraham says, you know, I was in the I don't know place, and then God provided in an unexpected way. And now when um, Isaac asked him the question in verse 7, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham thinks to himself, here I am again. I'm in the I don't know place. <laughs> I truly don't know. And so Abraham thinks to himself, all right, 
I'm in the I don't know place. I've been here before many times. I've learned in the past, and when I'm in the I don't know place, then God provides. And so Abraham tells Isaac in verse 8 what he's learned in his whole life. He said, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. I don't know, but God's going to provide for a burnt offering. And so when it says at the end of verse 8, so they both of them, so they went both of them together, that's a very powerful statement because it shows us that Abraham had convinced Isaac to go with them. And then in the next verse, when it says that Abraham bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood, that shows the profound influence that Abraham had on Isaac. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.